When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. When you want some real and to have a good time, Put a smile on your face, yeah, can't be caring. Elation Radio, mm-hmm. even brighten your day and help you through the night. Bring you good music, can't be caring. Elation Radio, and here's your host, can be Can't move. 
Hi, I'm Dr. Jerry Green. Welcome to Open Mic with Bishop Ernest E. Richard and Company. We have an awesome show lined up for you tonight as the bishop tackles kingdom issues and current events. But first, let's receive First Lady Sharon Richard with her faithful financial moments. Good evening, First Lady. Good evening, Jerry. This is Sharon Richard with your faithful financing moments. Have you ever had anyone ask you to co-sign a loan? When I was growing up, my mother always used to say that you should never co-sign a loan for anyone. While I didn't understand the wisdom of those words, they were among the many words of advice that she gave that has always stayed with me. I have some friends that that made the decision to co-sign on a loan for their son to get a new car. Their son made it clear to them that he would make the payments on a timely basis and they would never have to actually get involved financially. Of course, who could have predicted what would happen in our economy? Unfortunately, my friend's son lost his job as part of a layoff by his employer. While he had kept his word to make the payments on time for a few years, without a job, unfortunately, he could no longer afford the payments. It didn't take long before the bank sought after the parents who co-signed on the loan. Unfortunately, like their son, times were not as strong for them. They had lost significant market value on their investments and found themselves living with much less income available to them and could not afford to make these payments either. This became a black eye not only to their son's credit, but now their own as well. Of course, we want to help our children, our family, and friends fulfill many of their desires. However, we must be prudent in how we go about helping them. God warns us in Proverbs chapter 17, verse 18, a man devoid of understanding shakes his hands in a pledge and becomes surety for his friend. In this scripture, the reference to shaking hands in a pledge refers to the process of making a pledge to pay a financial obligation. God warns us that to do this could result in negative consequences. In Proverbs 22, verse 26 and 27, we are told, Do not be one of those who shakes hands in a pledge, one of those who is surety for debts. If you have nothing with which to pay, why should he take away your bed from under you? You may ask then, how do you provide the assistance to others in those situations? Perhaps you give them money toward the down payment on the vehicle or encourage your child to purchase something that they can afford without you as a co-signer. While this may be difficult, remember that if harder times come, perhaps at least you will be able to be in a better position to help your child, family member, or friend when they really have the need. This is Sharon Richard with your Faithful Financing Moment. Up next, Nina Taylor with your Gospel News, followed by Open Mic with the Bishop with your host, Bishop Ernest E. Richard, Jr. Happy Holidays, everybody. I'm Nina Taylor. Here's your Gospel News for this week. Joshua Rogers is a remarkably skilled yet humble contemporary gospel artist from Greeleyville, South Carolina. The singer and songwriter was brought up in an apostolic church where his grandmother served as pastor and where he sang and played the drums. Rogers auditioned for the fifth 
season of BET's Sunday Best and eventually won the competition, which led him to a contract with Music World. Well Done was released in November of 2012 and debuted at the top of Billboard's Gospel Albums chart. Unconditional, Rogers' first proper album, followed in October of 2013 with several original compositions written by Pierre Midor. North Carolina gospel singer Demarcus Kelly emerged in the latter half of the 2010s. His powerful voice guided 2017's exuberant Demarcus Kelly Presents the sound and led to a live appearance with industry heavyweights like Ty Tribbett and Tasha Cobb Leonard. He followed up with his second live outing, Endless Pursuit, in 2020. Born and raised in Mount Olive, North Carolina, Kelly came up through the Mount Gilead Baptist Church, where he served as minister of music, formed the community choir Youth in Praise, and led a number of youth revivals. A few years after his 2012 ordainment as a reverend in the Missionary Baptist Church, he was the first artist to sign with the Greenville-based Synergy Media and Entertainment firm and released his debut single, I Am Yours, in 2016. His live debut, Demarcus Kelly Presents, The Sound, followed a year later as he established himself within the national gospel community, sharing stages with K.J. Scriven, Travis Green, Ty Tribbett, and many others. While also serving as worship leader at Charlotte's Have Life Church, he continued to record, releasing 2019's studio single, Victory, and his second live album, 2020's Endless Pursuit, which featured guests like Lejeune Thompson and Isaiah Templeton. Benjamin Dubé, born January 23, 1962, is a South African gospel recording artist who rose to fame in the early 1980s. Over the years, he released several albums which have reached gold and platinum status in South Africa. Dubé is also the lead pastor of the High Praise Center of Vosloras, east of Johannesburg. Coming up in a religious family, Dubé's music interest was sparked at an early age. He started singing gospel music together with his family as a seven-year-old. He grew up on stage performing with his siblings and parents in a group called the Dubé Family Singers. Later, carried on the tradition performing his three sons who record and perform as the Dubé Brothers. Dubé established himself as a solo act in 1986 with his third single, Holy Spirit, a crossover hit on local radio stations, secular and religious. It sold more than 25,000 copies in South Africa. Two years later, his Ebenezer, featuring fellow South African and future reggae star Lucky Dubé, top the nation's gospel and sacred music charts. He continued to record albums, including the award-winning Celebration and established the praise and worship genre in his country. Three years later, his first live offering, 2000's I Feel Like Going On, recorded in New York's Harmony Records, was certified platinum at home. 2004's Old Bless Our God went multi-platinum as did 2008 in his presence. 2012's Healing in His Presence, including guest spots by his mother Grace and the Dubé Brothers, among others. In 2017, he issued the multi-platinum Spiritual Celebration, Volume 1. Here's this week's Top 10 Gospel Songs. Number 10, When I Pray, by Doe. 9, I'm in Love, Mia Allen. 8, Thankful, J.J. Harrison. 7, Call, by Jordan Armstrong and Erica Campbell. 6, Call on the Name, Marcus Jordan. 
five. Here comes the joy, Dietrich Cannon. Four, Your World, Jonathan McReynolds. Three, Kingdom by Maverick City Music featuring Kirk Franklin. Number two, Joe Kia, Let Him In. And your number one song once again from Bacardi Cortez, You've Been Good to Me. Well, that's your top ten songs and your gospel news. Happy holidays from all of us. I'm Nina Taylor. Let's get back to more great gospel music on this great station. Hi, I'm Dr. Jerry Green. Hello, I'm Nina Taylor. Welcome to Open Mic with Bishop Ernest E. Richard and Company. This show tackles kingdom issues and current events from a biblical perspective. Now, let's join Bishop and Company for today's discussion. Good evening, Bishop. The blessing of the Lord be upon you, Nina Taylor. Thank you so very much. And to you, Lady Sharon. I just bless God for you. To all of you who are listening to me at this present point in time, this is Open Mic with Bishop Ernest E. I want to welcome you to today's podcast. We pray that you've had an excellent and awesome Thanksgiving. I know I did, and I know our family did. We had an opportunity to greet and meet some people and to God be the glory, just excited about what God is about to do. Nonetheless, we are coming back. Uh, We do apologize for not being able to uh, get the Thanksgiving podcast out like we wanted to, uh, but nonetheless, hey, no sense of crying over spilled milk. It's one and done, so let's move on. Next page. Well, let me welcome in my co-host. Uh, brand new to the scene in terms of a co-host, but not new to me personally in terms of uh, a spiritual relationship. I want to just welcome in and say hello to the wonderful, lovely, anointed, and God-appointed Pastor Anna Henderson. Pastor Henderson, how are you? Blessed. Good evening. Good evening to all of our listeners this evening. Amen. We thank God for another thankful Thursday and with open mic, and I like to just open up with the saying from Maya Angelou, and it goes like this, if you don't like something, change it. If you can't change it, change your attitude. That's my thought on tonight. We're so glad to be with you tonight. Uh, You know, we always love hearing from you. We need to find out if there's anybody else that's going to assist us and be with us tonight. Uh, For those of you who may be on this line, I've invited a few people to come and be with us tonight. I'm not sure if they made it. So let's find out who is here. Who else do we have with us tonight? Please make yourself known because you and I tonight, nobody else is answering. All right, as in, I always say the best is for last. Uh, and I want to say thank God for our producer, Dr. Kimmy Robinson. Dr. Robinson, how are you tonight? Well, I am doing yeah, well. Can't get her to say, 
There you go. There you go. Well, All right. Eight o'clock are not good times for me, so. <laughs> but I will. I will try my best to um, chip in. Well, yeah. We appreciate you. I mean, you know, we don't want to put more on you than you can actually bear, but we just want to just acknowledge you and thank you for what you do for us each and every day. I did want to have a special guest on tonight, but was not able to get a hold of that individual, so we're just going to let it go. Nonetheless, we'll get ready to pray in. Is there anyone else before I move forward whom we may have uh, missed? Anybody else? Consent. Uh, Pastor Henderson, I'm I think I'll pray us in today, and I'll get you to do the scriptures. So why don't I get you to do the scriptures first, and I'll pray us in, and then we'll continue our discussion. Amen. Our scripture is found in Psalms 107 and verse 19 and 20. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distresses. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Wow. All right, let us pray. Let's pray. Father God, it's in the precious name of Jesus that we humble ourselves, come before you, thanking you for this another day. God, if it had not been for your grace, for your love, for your mercy, for all that you have done for us over the course of the days, weeks, months, and years, God, where would we be? God, we're asking you in the name of Jesus to minister to us tonight as we move forward in the things that pertain to life and to godliness. Father God, God, use us for your glory. Use us, Father God, to lift the kingdom. Help us to help others better understand your word, your will, your way, and the purpose that you've set for each and every one of us. Lord God, outside of you, we can do nothing. We absolutely recognize that. And God, we take the time to thank you for this, what you're about to do, for this, what you're about to release on us. So, Father, as we move forward, we're asking for your hand to be upon this session, upon this service, upon this podcast. Lift us up in a way like we've never seen before, for this is our prayer. In the mighty, matchless, majestic name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we do pray. Amen and amen. All right. Basically, we have been talking about abuse. And we talked about variations of abuse. We started with psychological abuse, and we found out that psychological abuse is on a narcissistic level, meaning the individual that is doing the abusing will always try to make it seem like it's your fault, that whatever is going on is going on. We talked about verbal abuse just before the holiday break, and we found out in verbal abuse that there are people out there who like to belittle you, berate you, and put you down and make you feel like you're useless, like there's nothing to you. They try to lower your self-esteem with all the madness and the nonsense that they can bring to the table. And then I believe we got ready to talk about a Abuse, uh, 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 you know, abusive. Uh, we always started talking a little bit about abusive leadership, and uh, you know. But before we do that, let's do a little bit on abusive relationships in general, because we know emotional abuse, and a lot of people don't understand emotional abuse. There are toxic signs to emotional abuse, and there are things that we need to be made aware of. And leadership can easily fit the bill 
and 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 make you feel like you know there's nothing to you some of the warning signs you know we we will you'll find for those people who are emotionally abusive and i'm going to uh get you to chime in with me as we go forward uh 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 pastor henderson treating you exceptionally well in the beginning you ever met that or know somebody that met that individual this guy was the most or this girl was the perfect man or the perfect woman can do no wrong, open doors for you, always complimenting you, always telling you how wonderful you look, how good you smell, and how orderly your life seems to be. That individual will start out in that particular way. Have you ever met or talked to anyone or had a conversation with anyone that fits that bill or fits that description? Yes, right. uh, you know, in, in school, in school, you meet <laughs> a lot of different people, and um, you know, I've I've never really dated and got into those kind of relationships coming up in school and things like that. But you meet people who are pretty much controlling in some of their behaviors, um, like they just want to just be in your presence all the time, um, and they don't want you to really have interactions with anyone else. So they start out kind of like just being friendly and just wanting to carry your books or whatever it is, just to show that, you know, that they're trying to be friendly. But then it becomes overbearing where you're in class and they're still looking through the window, <laughs> through the door, trying to see where you are, what you're doing. Uh-huh. And that could be kind of scary, you know, in a way, because you'd be like, yes. it's yes. like overbearing. It's overbearing. So it'd be a little telltale signs. In the very beginning, when if you start paying attention, that you know, um, that kind of lets you know that this is this is may not going in the right direction. So you just try to cut off, not wanting anyone to carry your books or follow you to the lock or anything. So uh, you know, it just may may not want to you know have that kind of interaction going on because you know it, it to me it felt controlling. <laughs> I hear you. Another area that I'm, I'm, I've kind of become aware of, and it's not recent that I've become aware of it. I've been aware of it. I've just not, uh, you know, I, I haven't paid attention to it until it, I, I actually literally became aware of it. I know that sounds like I'm doubling up on myself. But when you find an individual that wants to make you feel sorry for him or her as if what they're doing, they can't help it to them, they'll call it a, a level. They'll call it, some will be honest and call it a sickness, and it is technically a sickness, but there are those who will try to make you understand they're going through some things and they're trying to deal with some situations and some circumstances and they're having a difficult time and they'll bring up something that happened to them 20 years ago just to get you to have compassion on them. Yet and still, time after time after time, they verbally strike by just emotionally trying to emotionally damage you to the point in place where you feel like you are less than what you are. And the crazy thing about it is they will never admit at being at fault. They'll never say, it's my fault. They'll say, well, this happened because of this and that happened because of that, and it's not my fault. I tried my best to do this, that, and the other, and this is what happened, and here we are. 
Have you come across something of that nature? Dr. Kimmy Robinson, if you're able to answer us and share with us in that particular area, have you ever come across somebody that wants to make you feel sorry for him or make you feel sorry for her as if what they're doing cannot be helped? They've got that it's never my fault mentality. You ever seen anybody like that or talked to anybody like that? No, I have not. Um, I talk to people who have insecurities, not that. Okay, well, the people who are bossy, but they're more more insecure about themselves instead of, like, um, so they control the situation. They try to tell you what to wear, how to talk, those things like that. I haven't had the blame game. Now, you do have those abusers out there like that. But um, mostly, I'm going to be honest, from my research, most abusers are very controlling. They're not going to think anything is wrong with them. It's going to be I'm right and you're wrong from my research. Mm-hmm. And so wow. typically they try to make you feel as if you're doing something wrong, not you're messing with them. Now, it could be a woman uh, abusing a man like that, but in most cases, based on my research, I found that men are very controlling, and they take the role too far when it comes to submission. Because God said, when you love Christ the church, you will know how to treat your wife. He didn't ever say that you want to um, tell her to jump and she's going to ask you how high to jump. That's not what he was stating. And so the abusers that I have researched and I have experienced in my marriage, they're, they have insecurities too, so, because they have an image that they must portray. Uh, they must look a certain way. But behind closed doors, they are horrible people. Well, it's a yep. you know, that you, <clears throat> excuse me. Go ahead. Go ahead, sis. When you, when, on that question, I was thinking about um, one of my friends. She she was um, actually liking this uh, young man. And what he would do is that he would wait till he got out in public and he would just make public scenes of display, you know, to really embarrass her. So a lot of times he would wait till he got in the checkout line and he would eat, like, pass gas or he would make sounds with his mouth and then say, why do you do that? Why do you do that? You know, and try to really, he would wow. really embarrass her, you know. And she, she said he did it constantly. And I said, oh, wow. You know, that is so embarrassing. And that's really, <laughs> I don't know how yeah. she tolerated it. She tolerated yeah. it for a while before she actually just said that was enough. But he would wait till he got out in public and he would publicly humiliate her and make her look embarrassed and felt less than. And she used to, you know, want prayer about it and what should I do about it? And I'm thinking, this person is making you so humiliated and embarrassing like that. What is he doing behind closed doors? But he would specifically have certain things he would do only when he went out. My goodness about that. See, you know, and I'm I'm listening to this, and I I would say this, and to you, Dr. Robinson, uh, you brought up something that is very vital and I know you didn't categorize it, so with your permission, I'm going to categorize what you just talked about. People trying to control you through constant communication is an absolute uh, telltale sign that this individual
individual is abusive. And they're not that they're mentally and emotionally and possibly could be physically abusive. Because when you're trying to control, you're trying to keep people under thumb. You're trying to uh, keep individuals close to you. I made mention, I think, a week or two ago, or I hope, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, the movie Medea's uh, Family Reunion, where uh, mm-hmm. Blair, Blair Underwood played Carlos, who was the husband, mm-hmm. or the soon-to-be husband, uh, Lynn, Lynn uh, what's Lynn's name? Lynn Whitfield, that's her name, was the mother. She had two daughters. One who had two children and the other was young, but see, there were two different fathers. And the story behind that is one father left an inheritance for the daughter that was to marry Blair Underwood. Little did we know when we first saw him, they looked like the typical couple in love, and they showed all the luxur- the luxuries of being in love. They showed all the tenderness and the sweetness. But then we caught our first glimpse of what he was really like. I recall a particular um, uh, scene where it was uh, the young lady's uh, birthday, and I'm trying to remember her name. Her name escapes me at this particular point. So I'm going to hold her name for a minute. But there was a particular scene when it was her birthday, uh, the young lady he was to marry. And so her sister and a couple of their friends set up a stripper to come to the house to dance for her. And she was, no, no, you got to get this out of here. It's got to go, this, that, and yeah. She already knew ahead of time uh, what was up on, what was on the horizon. And uh, uh, Carlos just happened to come home a little early that day, that afternoon, only to find this stripper in there hovering over his soon-to-be wife and gyrating his hips the whole 20 yards, and he played it super cool. He said, oh, y'all just having fun. Well, y'all go ahead on and have your fun. I'm just going to go back in the room and take care of some business. And she turned around, put the stripper out, put the sister out, put the friends out. She didn't even get to turn around real good before he cracked her across her face and was so to the point where he was so blatantly verbally aggressive toward her that he literally had this young lady in fear and trying to control through constant communication the things that he said to her. He said in uh, so many words, I'd kill you. If it weren't for the fact that what they were, what he was trying to do was make her become submissive. The other thing I found out uh, about this particular relationship, and I'm talking about this because these are just telltale signs. Sometimes the abusive person will try to separate you from your family and your friends physically or emotionally or cause chaos every time it's time to go to a family event. I went through that myself personally, with a former wife of mine. Every time it was time to go do something that my family wanted to do, there was a problem. She couldn't do this. She couldn't do that. You know, I don't really have to go. I can just stay home. I don't need to. I'm trying to behave myself because I could tell you a whole lot more, but let's not throw her under the bus because she's not here to protect herself or to at least answer to the charges. But the bottom line was, and every time it was time to go to one of her family's events, uh, everything was cool with her, no problems. I didn't have anything against her family. I knew a lot of them, and we were in church at the same time, so I had a good idea of what they were like. It's not like, you know, I'm coming into their presence for the first time. Tell or a warning sign that I found 
that any time they try to separate you from family or separate you from friends or physically or emotionally cause chaos even before a family event, that's a telltale sign that you're dealing with an abuser. They're trying to control you through constant communication. And there's sometimes, here's something else that we need to pay attention to, being overly critical. Well, if that were me, I wouldn't have done this, that, and the other. If that were me and I had this situation, this is how I would handle it. You handled it wrong. You should have never let them get away with this. You should have never let them get away with that. You didn't have to do this. You didn't have to do that. You're so stupid. I don't know what's wrong with you. I don't know why you let people talk about you like that. If I was I'd go over there and bust them to the white meat. Anybody ever come across that type of person? And the floor is open. And, you know, it kind of ties into, like like you said, the jealousy and the criticalness, you know, um, of of words. You know, using words for intimidation, using words to manipulate, making using words to make you feel less than. Because, like you said, it all ties into a type of control. And a lot of times young ladies really sometimes don't really pick up on the telltale signs when telltale signs when they're either dating or going out with someone because they're just so glad to be with someone. But a lot of times the signs are very visible and, and, and isolation is, is one of those. They always want you to um to separate from everything that you're doing. So if it's if it's a gathering, even if it's church, you know, they decide they want to plan something on a church night just so you won't be in church or they want to take you away from your uh-huh. friends, they want to take you away from your family. They want you to isolate so that they can have you to themselves so now they can, you know, do what they want to do and say what they want to say. And those are like telltale signs. Uh, you know, to be aware of because it kind of starts with small things like that and then it goes into other uh-huh. things and to the point where they even start saying how you dress. I don't like how you dress. Or I don't like how that person, I don't like how you smelled at that person. I don't like how that person looked at you. I don't like that you were having a conversation. And so sometimes, young ladies, what happens is that they feel like that, that the guy really loves them. So they feel like, oh, he really loves me. He's, he's jealous. He don't want nobody around me. And they begin to think that it's a good thing until it becomes from the emotional abuse to a physical abuse until it starts getting into another level of abuse. But a lot of times, a lot of those signs are really visible if they really think about it, the separation, the isolation, the criticism, making them feel less than, wanting to dominate what they wear, who they talk to, you know. And I've even met this young lady who, I mean, literally she could not wear certain things. He didn't want her to really look nice, didn't want her to get her hair done, didn't want her to do anything to make herself look nice. And, I mean, I think we had a young lady on last week uh, that was talking about or the week before. I mean, they started controlling everything about her life, and she kind of like thought it was just that, oh, he really just wants me to himself, but eventually it turned into physical abuse, and it just kept escalating into something different, so it's so important to kind of like be aware of some of the signs that you're talking about, that's why I think this is a relevant topic, because it helps people to start looking at, you know, their relationships a little more closely, because a lot of, uh, most abusers start having signs pretty much in the first couple of times that you've been with them, you can start seeing uh, some of their signs in their conversation, if you pay attention, and then as well, time goes on, they keep changing. I like what you said, and I appreciate you 
bringing up there. Now I'm going to throw something else out there, and I'm going to sort of kind of shift gears because we're going to try to close down abuse. This is the month of December, and we want to move into something different, but we never had the opportunity to really shut this down. Here's something that we need to pay attention to. And I've heard these stories personally in counseling sessions where individuals, either the spouse, the husband, or the wife, and I've had it done for me, searching your personal belongings, i.e., your telephone, your wallet, your pockets, you know, your notebooks, anything, looking for evidence of cheating prying into private belongings to learn more of your innermost feelings or your past. They may get a hold of your journal, something that some of us may have written, and they read something in there, and then they see something in there that's talking about the way they're treating them, and it angers them. And I know you. I don't know if either of you, uh, Dr. Robinson, or you, uh, Pastor Henderson, have uh, come across people of this nature, but this is the type of stuff that I'm finding that people – accessing your emails through Facebook, your phone records, and looking through your account, your booking calendar for those that keep a calendar, you know, and turning around looking, uh, and you already just said it, Pastor Henderson, they want to put stuff in a position where you can't do what you want to or even need to do, and they'll cause that whatever it is they want to do to seem so important. They make it impossible to end the relationship because every time you're ready to walk out, they come back with, baby, I'm sorry, I'll never do it again. And then, you know, the cheap flowers and the cheap candy and, you know, the McDonald's-like dinner. No, it ain't McDonald's, but it's McDonald's-like because it's cheap and inexpensive. And then they want to go home and have sex with you. Lord, help. Wait a minute. <laughs> You've been beating up on me and ragging on me, throwing me under the bus, making me feel like I'm less than a man or less than a woman, and doing everything you can to belittle me, berate me, lower my self-esteem, and now you want to jump on my physical body and try to hump and pump and make me feel like I need you. Somebody talk to me about that. What the? And I'm going to stop right there. Actually, I experienced sexual abuse in my marriage, and it was horrible. So um, during that period in my life, I realized the type of guy that I don't want, and I think that's one of the reasons why I have not remarried, because I just do uh, overlook signs in the beginning of, you know, friendship and stuff like that. But it's real. It's horrible. You want it to be over. You pretend like you come, you don't really come because you just want them off of you. And it's just horrible because you don't love that person. You you just, like, I don't believe that he's forcing me. I mean, I was forced. And uh, wow, really right. But he would use the Bible to say, well, your body is my body and my body is your body, but that's not how it <laughs> reads. So, yeah. Well, okay. I'm. I, I say this first and foremost, I do deeply apologize for what you've gone through. Uh, and they're using the scriptures. They were right in scriptures, but wrong in the use of the scriptures. And you already know what sexual abuse is, but for those of you listening to us, the sexual abuse was never really about sex. Sex was not the main concern. Sex uh, was just the act. It was about power, 
and it included, you know, any type of sexual behavior, how many women, I'll say more so than men, but how many women were forced to have sex with other people while their spouse watched? They didn't want to do that. But this man or this woman made it feel like if they didn't do it, they didn't love them. And if they didn't love them, we're going to have to go get a divorce. But if we have to go get a divorce, then I don't think you're going to make it because I'm going to have to kill you because I can't let you go back out there and tell people what I did. So they're, they're being forced, even someplace in some situations being forced. Uh, human trafficking is one of the biggest sexual abuses we could ever talk about or ever make mention of, where women are snatched off the street, taken to other countries, and they have sex with the people that stole them until they get to the point in place where they make them a, 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 a sex slave. And so they're taking on all these spirits from all these people, put out in the street in the country they don't know nothing about, they don't know who to talk to, they don't even speak the language. All they know is this guy comes, pays this other guy money, he takes him to a room and ransacks her precious body unmercifully in order to get his thrill on. They pursue sexual activity when the victim is not fully conscious. They may have been knocked around or when the, the a victim is in a point in place where they're too afraid to say no. Y'all want to talk about that for a little bit? Okay, I got silent. <laughs> so I really want to talk about it. I'm trying to kill these big gaps of silence. Y'all can very much tell, getting y'all set so you can come forward. But, I mean, think about this. I mean, we don't know a lot about human traffic, human trafficking, but for the woman, it is often brutal. And when I say brutal, getting beat up, being raped over and over and over and over again until you just become numb. And uh, Dr. Robinson, I don't, I'm not picking at what you said. I'm going to take that because when you have to fake an orgasm just to get that individual off of you, come on now. I'm not saying, you know, I'm not picking at it. I'm just saying I heard you say that. But think about it. When you have to get to the point place, he's talking about, oh, well, all right, we're adults, so let's try to do this in a way where we don't get too graphic, but we get graphic enough to people to get the picture for those who are listening. Here this man is about to reach his, uh, his peak, and he's about to ejaculate, and he starts howling, I'm coming. So now you've got to put on the show of a lifetime. Come on, come on, baby. Yeah, I feel it. I'm there, too. I'm there, too. And then you go through your whole thing, and he starts howling like he's Tarzan. Ah, ah, you know, <laughs> and then he rolls over like, was it good for you? <laughs> yeah. Get the heck off of me, stupid limp. I mean, okay, let me stop. That's a little graphic. So let me let me move past that. But you've got to think about this. In human trafficking, this is where they don't go through that red tape because 90% of the time these women are just laying there, put in multiple positions, uh, and I have to say it because some of us don't want to be real about it. Some of us are too afraid to talk about it. These women are put in a position where every hole they have available, the biggest ones, meaning the mouth, the butt, and the vagina, are pummeled sometimes by two and three people at the same time. 
You mm-hmm. can't see that picture, can you? And yet that young lady, her desire to live ebbs away from her body. She's at the point where she literally wants to commit suicide. I mean, you have taken the glory of her virginity. You've taken the value of her sexual parts. You have abused them to the point where she just feels like, although she is breathing and she can see, she just feels like she's nothing and nobody. Sometimes all they want to do is die. Then pursuing sexual activity when a a victim is not fully conscious. You're in a position, you're in a space and place where uh, you've been badly beaten to the point where you can no longer fight back. And pimps are good for them. That's when they want to go and just jump on you and have their way with you. Or in a situation where she's so fearful. I mean, I haven't spoken to, but I know of individuals who have talked about individuals who are so afraid to say no that they would, God, this is going to be crazy. How do I say They would urinate during sex to make the man feel mm. like they were coming. Mm. Crazy, ain't it? One other area, and I know sexual abuse, I was trying not to get to it, but I'm just going to wrap it up and make it real quick tonight. We're not going to be too long. Hurting your partner physically during sex. It doesn't mean you have to be, and whoever's listening, don't take this as being erotic. I'm not being erotic. It doesn't mean you have to be 12 inches long and 3 inches thick and you just grab her shoulders and you plow into her like like she doesn't exist just to turn around and buy her neck and pull her hair and maybe put your hand in her mouth and stretch her like she might be some type of animal, you know, brutally beating her, maybe on her back or butt her legs or whatever the case may be, trying to create some type of pain because you're looking for the pleasure of her pain. This is something to think about. And that's just the surface of of sexual abuse. One other place, and I'm going to move on from this subject, unless you guys have something you want to add to it. You're coercing your partner to have sex without protection with other people. Or you may be sabotaging her birth control. Has anybody thought about that? You know she's on the pill. And you turn around and pop one or two pills out so that her pill, uh, and I'm not sure how the birth control pill works, if all pills are the same and then during a cycle they have a stronger uh, a stronger measure of birth control in there. I've seen these, and I don't know exactly how they work. I'm not going to act like I'm an expert. Some of them were the slight orange-colored pills for your regular time, and then when your period came on, there was a gray pill that was taken that had a little bit more in it to uh, try to control birth control. Birth control. And so you go, you know you've only taken one gray pill, but there are three gray pills missing. Now what do you do? Mm. And you're just starting your cycle. This is the type of things that go on in sexual abuse. Anybody got any more comments? Wow. Nothing? Okay. No. Well, let's uh, We got just about, uh, we got about 11 minutes. Is that Sister G. Johnson? Yes, it is. Blessings. Praise God. How are you? Announce yourself and let us. How are you? 
I. What do you have? Um, I'm holding on. How are you doing? <laughs> All right. Well, I'm doing the same as you. Not just holding on, but trusting the God of my <laughs> salvation to bring me through. Anything Amen. else you want to add before I move on? No, I, I no, I'm just okay. listening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, we got listeners tonight, huh? Okay. <laughs> There's another area that we don't talk about much, and people don't really make much of it because you know. And but this I'm going to share with you is one of the leading causes of teenage uh, uh, um, uh, when they kill themselves. Give me the right word, you guys. Come on, help me oh. out here. Everybody. When they want to kill suicide. Mm-hmm. One of the leading causes of teenage suicide, it's called technological abuse. Now, this particular form yeah. of abuse does include the use of technology to stalk a person in an effort to control that individual. Sometimes it is a partner. Sometimes it's a girlfriend. It's a friend. It's somebody that you know that you could be technological abuse can happen in any age. There is no age limit to technological abuse. You have seen some of the writings in Facebook. I'm going to show you something. Uh, The Shaquella Robinson uh, deal. A lot of people don't realize there was new footage released showing that there possibly may have been a second attack on her, possibly by uh, the the main character, Janae, whatever her last name is, and one of the other girls. But now people don't understand that this young lady was, her character was assassinated uh, by way of uh, social media. And then there was a... Well, there you go. Am I saying too much? I just need to know. (laughs) Anyway about that particular thing, uh, she suffered what I would call uh, technological abuse because it was uh, where they had belittled her, berated her, and made her to be and showed her to be of the quote-unquote whorish nature, which there was no truth to that. Now, she did do a photo shoot, which was slightly provocative. I give it credit where it belongs. She did do a slightly provocative photo shoot, but there's nothing else in her uh, uh, her social pages that gives the impression that she was some type of slut, yet they tried to portray her to be one. You know, it, it's more common among teenagers who use technology and social media. They interact in a manner most often unmonitored by adults. Now, we could find such things as uh, having hacking into your partner's email and personal accounts, we found out about that. We and there, here's a big one right here. You go and purchase cell phones for you and your partner, and knowing that your cell phones have a GPS, you turn the GPS or the tracking device on on their cell phone to monitor their location, to monitor their phone calls, and even in some cases to monitor their messages. What kind of sick person has to know what's going on in your life 24-7? I'm a little disturbed with that. I don't know about you. They monitor interaction by way of social media. Huh? Crazy is a good word. uh, uh, (laughs) Delusional, I take for another Um, word. Sick, 
I use that word too. You know, just delirious in their mindset. How about this one, for instance? When you got somebody monitoring what you do on social media, every word you speak, and they come up, so Johnson, what did you mean by that? I'm going to just hypothetically make us boyfriend and girlfriend for a few minutes. So what did you mean by everything could be better? Why did you say that? I just need to know, why did you say that? You're so stupid. I can't believe you said something like that, you little idiot. You ought to, I should smack you in your mouth. Don't Stay off of social media. Does that sound like something you've heard before? Come on, y'all talk. I guess not. Um. <laughs> anyway, now, here's a crazy, here, no, I'm putting this out there, but this is what's happening out there. This one, mm-hmm. I've had a, a, a counseling session where the individual was upset because her, he would not share his passwords to his accounts with his spouse. Mm. Think of it. He wow. wouldn't share them. Mm-hmm. Because his, and his his explanation was there's nothing there she needs to see I can open them up and let her see but she doesn't want me to open up and let see what she's trying to do is get in to find out who he's talking to what he's talking about and if she's got anything that she can wreak or create some type of havoc or chaos over but that was that situation there are situations like that one and other ones out there now. There's one, uh, I'm going to do one more because we only got a few minutes left. Here's one that has become stay in age. And this is not a uh, – it's not – this one has no age limit on it. Financial mm-hmm. abuse. Let's talk about it. I'm trying to wrap up all the abuses, y'all. You can tell, huh? Any mm-hmm. behavior really that maintains power and control over somebody else's finances constitutes financial abuse. Let me say that again. There's somebody that's listening to this podcast. You're driving right now, and you're going through this. When you came into the relationship, you had all kinds of money. You had all kinds of securities. You had all kinds of retirement accounts, 401Ks and things of that nature. And then you brought him in or you brought her in, and all they did was raped and pilfered your bank account to the point in place where you're scrambling and scrounging and scratching just to make ends meet. You're barely getting any bills paid, and you've fallen behind, and a lot of your bills to the point in place where you're getting eviction notices. You're getting shutoff notices. You're getting uh, charge-offs from banks and things of this nature. Any behavior that maintains any level of power and control over finances can be constituted as financial uh, abuse. And there are some examples that, uh, you know, that include causing a partner to really lose their job through direct or indirect means. How is it that you could have the goal to go to your partner's place of business and create such a scene, partner home that day, and when the partner comes back to work the next day, the boss says, if this happens again, I'm firing you. And the very next here you come. Come on now. 
Other things include Amen. inflicting physical harm or injury that would prevent a person from even attending work. This young lady don't want to go to work with a black eye because now she's got to explain how she got the black eye, which means she's going to have Amen. to tell them that that man's been beating on her, which means that the Amen. authorities, come on, there's always one bold soldier at the workplace that's willing to stand up and put your life on the line. Yeah, I said Amen. it exactly like that. So rather than go to work and deal with this, you would just stay home and call out sick and try mm-hmm. to get the eye to a place where it's healed, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, uh, uh, harassing a partner at a workplace, controlling ass partner on an allowance. What mm-hmm. is this? Get this woman to quit her job because you tell her you're going to take care of her, and then when she quits her job, you turn around, she's used to making five, six, seven, eight hundred dollars a week. Now you're trying to give her a fifty dollar a week allowance. With that, she's supposed to put gas in her car. With that, if she wanna go out to lunch, whether with her girlfriends or by herself, all this on the fifty dollars now. With that, if the car needs repairing, she's gotta figure out how to get it repaired. With that, she has to turn around how to get her personal items. With that she still got to go try to buy groceries, and if she dare comes and asks you for a dollar, you raise holy Hades and make her feel like she's less than a woman or less than whatever she is. You know, you always ask her for money. Every time I turn around, you need something. Hey, fool, before you showed up, she was making good money. Mm. All right, that's enough out of me. thing I'm going to say is damaging a partner's credit. Now, I can call that, we can call that abuse. We can call that abuse. Because if your partner decides to share credit cards with you or anything of that nature, and you put her to where she might have had an 850 score, and now she's got a 545, hello, done something wrong. I wanted to talk about immigration abuse and uh, abuse by immigration status and there are tactics of abuse that may be used against immigrant partners. In other words, you'll turn around, destroy their immigration papers, you restrict them from learning English. They have a class, and you're making sure they miss each and every class. You threaten to hurt that partner's family in their home country by sending people down there to shoot and kill their mother and their father, their sisters and brothers. You threaten it to call uh, who's the people that do the deporting. Uh, Give me the name of the people that does the uh, the, the U.S. Uh, Immigration Office where you can have that individual mm-hmm. deported. These, that's Im- abuse by immigration. And it's important to remember that here in the United States, undocumented immigrants have rights and protections, although some people don't think so, but they do. And in a case of an emergency, they should contact the police. I'm going to stop right there for those of you that are – Dealing with these multiple abuses, there is a line that you can call. It's 1-800-799-7233. That's 1-800-799-SAFE. It spells the word SAFE. Learn how to get out of danger and locate the resources that you need so you can become independent and regain your freedom. We want to thank each and every one of you for joining us tonight. This is going to conclude our uh, uh, our study on abuse. Pastor Henderson, anything you want to say before we go home? 
This has been a really good discussion. Amen. And, and we thank and praise God for each one that have joined us on this evening. And please seek help if you find yourself in one of those abusive relationships. There is help available. And most of all, seek the Lord because he will give you the strategy and he will give you the strength. Amen. And make the change. Amen. Sister G. Johnson, before we let you go. Uh, it's very informative. Um, yes, very informative. And so I learned a lot about uh, um, this abuse that's going on. And so I'll be able to identify some if I come across um, the uh, people that I do, that I actually do on a daily basis. So it will help me. Thank you for that discussion. God bless. All right. Dr. Kimmy Robinson, anything you want to add before we move forward and close down? And it's never your fault, and you're not the um, reason why that person is mistreating you. It's something wrong with that person. There you go. Very well said. We thank God for each and every one of you. Listen, if this show has been a blessing to you, a help to you, you can always be a blessing to us. We're looking for partners, and starting in January, we're going to look for individuals that will support, the financially support Open Mic with the Bishop. Uh, we are going to start using the Cash App. It's Cash App, uh, oh, Lord, Pastor's Corner. Good, I couldn't think for 30 seconds. Excuse me. It's Cash App, Pastor's Corner. We will be using that one. We want to be a blessing to Elation's Radio and the Elation's family. I mean, and I, I know she and she can get after me later. She can abuse me some other time, but I'm going to say it. <laughs> Dr. Robinson does an excellent job at keeping this radio station functioning, but she will never tell me. I, can, I already know when she needs help, but she don't know that I already know. That's what the gift of discernment is there for. So I'm looking for some of you to partner up with me. I'm only looking for $20 a month. That's it, $20 a month. So if any of you uh, decide that you want to, whoever's listening to us right now, you want to go to dollar sign, Pastor's Corner, and say open mic. That's all you got to put in the comments, open mic. We'll know what it's for because we have a great event that we just completed just this past uh, two weeks ago called Elation's Honors. And I really want to raise a higher level of finance so that Elation's Honors can expand and do bigger and better things. We're doing great things now, but we can do even better. We can do even greater. And your help to seeing you and talking with you and at some point in time maybe doing some locations in different places and talking about some of the subjects that are concerned of you. If you have a concern, I need you to do me a favor. Go on our Facebook page. You can go on the Pastor's Corner. You can go on Open Mic with the Bishop. You can go on Elations Radio. You can go on Elations Magazine. Leave your comments. Let us know what you think. We do want to hear from you. For Pastor Anna Henderson and my guest tonight, uh, Sister G. Johnson, and, of course, our lovely producer, Dr. Kimmy Robinson, I'm Bishop Ernest E. Richard, letting you know, Kimmy, get that uh, that that rollout together, get the uh, outro together. I'm just letting you know we appreciate you. This has been 
the open mic with Bishop Ernest E. Richard and company. Have a great night, a great day, a good afternoon, wherever you may be listening. Until we meet again, this time next week. God bless you. God bless. You've been listening to Open Mic with Bishop Ernest E. Richard and company. If this podcast has been a blessing to you, then please consider sowing into this ministry. A $20 gift or more would be appreciated. You can do so through Cash App. Just use dollar sign power to stand or on PayPal, preacher719 at gmail.com. On behalf of Bishop Richard and the Open Mic panel, I'm Nina Taylor saying have a blessed week. We'll see you soon. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.